Hello, I'm Felicity MacDonald-Smith. I started listening to The Archers in the 1970s, and apart from a few breaks while living abroad, I've been a regular listener for over 25 years. I've had a varied career, from international youth work in Girl Guiding and the Council of Europe, via English language teaching, to university administration, and I'm now happily retired. I'm a volunteer house guide at the David Parr House in Cambridge, and my interest in material culture was inspired by helping to catalogue the collection of over 5,000 objects in that house. Chapter 12. Crowdsourcing Material Culture. A History of Ambridge in a Hundred Objects. This chapter has its origins in a paper given at the Academic Archers 2019 conference in Sheffield. The title references Neil McGregor's BBC Radio 4 series and 2012 book, A History of the World in a Hundred Objects, in which, to quote the BBC website, he retells humanity's history through the objects we have made. The objects he chose to feature in these 15-minute radio programmes, a collaboration between the British Museum and the BBC, ranged from a 2,000-year-old Egyptian mummy via a Roman silver cup, an Easter Island statue, porcelain vases from the Chinese Yuan dynasty and an early Victorian tea set to a 21st century credit card and solar-powered lamp. The term material culture was, to this writer's knowledge, first used about objects like these by General Augustus Henry Lane Fox Pitt Rivers, writing in 1875, when he defined it as the outward signs and symbols of particular ideas of the mind, recorded by Schlereth, 1985, cited in Hannah and Longair, 2017. Pitt Rivers donated his collection of ethnographic and archaeological objects to found the Pitt Rivers Museum in Oxford. The website is at prm.ox.ac.uk. Other colonisers and collectors were inspired by his gift, and the museum now holds over half a million items, organised by functional categories, for example, arms and armour, food and food preparation, medicines and medical instruments, coins and currency, etc. Since the 1970s, there has been a growing interest in material culture across many disciplines, most obviously history, but also archaeology, social anthropology, history of art, human geography, design and the decorative arts. It has even emerged on primetime television, in the form of the popular BBC One TV programme, The Repair Shop, in which members of the public bring in treasured objects for repair, and the audience learns not only about how and where they were originally made and used, but also about their cultural and sentimental histories. My personal interest in this field arose from volunteering with the David Parr House in Cambridge. Do visit the website davidparrhouse.org, a tiny terraced cottage which David Parr, a working-class Victorian art workman, bought in 1886 and lived in until his death in 1927. 
During those 40 years, Parr never stopped working on the house, making structural alterations and decorating it with spectacular hand-painted designs in the style of the Victorian high Gothic churches and arts and crafts houses, which were his day job. After Parr's death in 1927, his granddaughter, then aged 12, came to live in the house to keep her widowed grandmother company and stayed there for the next 85 years, during which time she married and had two daughters. Out of respect for her grandfather's legacy, she and her husband made very few changes to the structure and decoration of their home, but their presence is clearly recorded in the eclectic collection of objects which have made the house into a mini-museum of 19th and 20th century domestic life. The paper I gave at the 2019 Academic Archers Conference highlighted a few objects from the David Parr House with their significance in material culture and suggested some parallel items from recent storylines in the Archers. For example, David Archer's toy farm, which reminded him of why he had grown up wanting to be a farmer and resulted in his decision not to sell up and move to Northumberland. The homemade Christmas tree ornaments at Lower Loxley, which made Lily Pargeter reminisce about past Christmases when decorating the tree with Rex Fairbrother. And of course the missing bunting, with its connotations of village community events and perhaps also rural crime. As a follow-up to my talk, a suggestion was made that the Academic Archers Facebook group might try to add to this list of Ambridge objects, with the aim of getting to a total of 100. Not surprisingly, the group rose to the challenge with great enthusiasm, and 143 different objects were proposed in 185 comments. I made several attempts to reduce this to around 100 using various methods. Firstly, I omitted landscape and locations, however evocative of numerous life-changing events, based on an early definition of material culture as that segment of humankind's biosocial environment which has been purposely shaped by people, according to culturally dictated plans. Schlereth, 1985. I also excluded whole buildings, despite them being objects of cultural significance. This resulted in the omission of such places as Lakey Hill, the motorway service station where Ruth Archer's mother Heather died, the village shop, the bull, the urinals at the Cat and Fiddle, or the bar from Nelson's Wine Bar. Secondly, I eliminated animals, on the grounds that they constitute specimens rather than artefacts. Thus, the dogs Captain and Scruff, Linda Snell's llamas, Peggy Woolley's cat Hilda Ogden, the badger shot by David Archer, the dead fish found in the am by Kirsty Miller, are not to be found on the list. Thirdly, and rather reluctantly, I also omitted Joe Grundy's farmer's lung on the grounds of intangibility, although I suppose an x-ray might have been possible. Further, I merged suggestions where they referred to the same character. For example, for Lillian Bellamy, a gin bottle, her favourite gin glass and a packet of fags. I then submitted a further inquiry to the Facebook group about items which had been suggested 
but which I couldn't clearly remember from my personal listening history. Group members were able to elucidate in a few cases, but where doubt remained, I omitted them on the grounds that they were probably part of a minor incident and as such not very memorable. My listeners are free to disagree. These items included the locket, unspecified, may have been given to Elizabeth Pargeter by her husband Nigel, tree festooned with Heather Pett's toilet rolls, not an actual incident, just a reminder of Ruth Archer's father's occupation. Fabrice's CCTV. I don't remember any mention of this or any reason why the hairdresser's CCTV would be significant. At this point, I started to classify the items into groups. In the spirit of Pitt Rivers, these were not chronological, but were categories such as agricultural machinery, implements or vehicles, or food and drink. I then realised that a significant number of the suggestions related to specific incidents, such as the Sid Perks, Jolene Archer, nay Perks shower scene. I apologise to sensitive listeners who may not wish to be reminded of this distress, distressing listening experience. Or Shula Hebden Lloyd playing the recorder on Christmas Day at the age of 10, Someone clearly has an encyclopedic knowledge of Ambridge history. This led to a complete rethink. What 100 items truly reflect the material culture of Ambridge rather than the plot lines of the drama? So here is an attempt at a history of Ambridge in 100 objects. I added a few further objects which came to mind in the process of categorising because they seem to be iconic and essential signs and symbols of particular ideas of the mind. Schlereth, 1985, quoting Pitt Rivers. A history of Ambridge in a hundred objects, the list. Agricultural machinery, vehicles, implements or buildings. Many of these items represent traditional farming methods rather than modern intensive factory farming and as such are a reminder of the origins of the programme, which was supposed to be an educational tool for the post-war agricultural community. One notable exception is the polytunnel, which has additional connotations as a site for romantic encounters. 1. A pig arc. 2. David's Toy Farm. 3. Bartleby's Pony Trap. 4. Farm implements belonging to the first generation of archers, Dan, a billhook and plough horse harness, and Doris, lambing tongs. 5. One of Jill Archer's beehives. 6. Tom Forrest's shotgun. 7. Tony Archer's old Fergie tractor. 8 a piece of farm machinery salvaged and resold by Josh Archer. Nine, the chicken shed, the Eggmobile, built by Bert Fry for the Fairbrothers. Ten, a polytunnel. Eleven, a quad bike. Twelve, one of the caravans where the fruit pickers lived. Thirteen, a container of illegal pesticide representative both of Ed Grundy's unfortunate involvement in criminal activity and Brian Aldridge's contamination case. 
Community. This category is a loose collection of places, buildings and other items which illustrate participatory aspects of village, village life. 14. The tabard and supervisor badge worn by Susan Carter in the village shop run by the community. 15. A copy of the Borchester Echo. I imagine this to be a typical local paper containing reports on school sports days, the flower and produce show, parish council elections, etc. 16. A copy of Borsetshire Life, a more upmarket publication, with photos of the Hunt Ball and county set weddings. 17. A microphone from Radio Borsetshire. 18. Martha Woodford's phone box. 19. Martha Woodford's hanging baskets. 20. A bell from St Stephen's to represent both the bell ringers and the bells that fell down from the tower. 21. The church flower rotor. 22. A Loxley Barrett school photo. 23. An object to represent Borchester land. AGM agenda? 24. An object to represent Rodway and Watson. House sale details? 25. The cricket nets and the single wicket trophy. 26. A women's cricket box deserves a separate listing. 27. A pantomime script, a cuttings book of reviews and the fake bum from the Canterbury Tales. 28. A brownie uniform. They were involved in one of Linda Snell's productions. 29. The maypole or maypole ribbons. Maypole dancing was also organised by Linda. 30. The local history book, written by Jennifer Aldridge and John Tregoran. Tregoran and Aldridge, 1982. 31. The shop closed sign from Nelson Gabriel's antique shop. 32. One of Brenda Tucker's marketing leaflets. 33. A badge from the SAVE. Save the Ambridge Vale Environment campaign. 34. A birthday card. Always delivered by hand and in person. 35. The Frieda Fry trophy from the Flower and Produce show. 36. A copy of the Women's Institute magazine. 37. A vintage cup and saucer from the tea room. And 38. The bunting, of course. The last two items in this category are not strictly communal as they are situated in Linda Snell's garden, but they illustrate the villagers' amused tolerance of the antics of incomers. 39. The Resurgam Stone, also commemorating the flood. 40. Linda's Shepherd's Hut, built by Eddie Grundy to her design, more or less. Memory. Objects in this section of the list evoke memories of people, places, events or activities in the recent or distant past. 41. The Grace Archer window in St Stephen's. 42. Debbie Aldridge's jewellery box with the ballerina that doesn't stand up anymore, reclaimed by Debbie when the Aldridges were leaving the home farm farmhouse. 43. The old sofa in the home farm kitchen, 
Reminisced About as a Centre of Family Life by Jennifer Aldridge and Peggy Woolley on the same occasion. 44. The Homemade Christmas Tree Decorations at Lower Loxley The subject of a conversation between Lily Pargeter and Rex Fairbrother. 45. The Mangle, which had belonged to My Susan, Joe Grundy's late wife. 46. Ornament of a Staffordshire Bull Terrier, given to Jack Woolley by his wife Peggy, in memory of his dog captain. 47. Old Toys, David Archer's Farm, again. Henry Archer's Rabbit, Rory Donovan's Mousy. Food and Drink. Not easy to include in a collection such as the Pitt Rivers Museum or the British Museum, but since the Ambridge Museum is a virtual one, possible deterioration will be disregarded. Local produce and home cooking feature strongly in this group. 48. A Borsetshire Beauty Apple 49. Borsetshire Blue Cheese 50. Bridge Farm Kefir 51. Label from Tom Archer Sausages 52. Frida Fry's Hot Pot Recipe or a casserole dish 53. Usha Franks's Auntie Satcher's Favourite Recipe 54. Lemon Drizzle Cake and Cake Tin Preventative Measures Against Type 2 Diabetes as Described by Michael 2017 55. Jill Archer's Flapjack also comes under the heading of community as used in activism. 56. Carol Tregoran's Herbal Teas 57. A Pint of Shires, the preferred drink of most of the Ambridge male population and representing the pub as a social centre of village life. 58. The Cider Club Shed and Lou, a cider press, a glass of tumble tussock cider, actually dissolves spoons, according to Banks Smith 2019. 59. A few turkey feathers from the Grundy pre-Christmas enterprise. 60. A bottle of Scruff Craft Gin. 61. The Brookfield Arger. Also fits into the categories of community and agriculture. 62. A menu from the takeaway on the bypass. 63. A box which once contained frozen pizza. Clothing and jewellery. Some of these items refer to specific incidents but nevertheless can also be seen to typify cultural or community activities. 64. Nigel Pargeter's gorilla suit. 65. Jolene Archer's country and western outfit. 66. Eddie Grundy's hat with horns. 67. Joe Grundy's trick trousers that the ferret got stuck in. 68. Molly Button's tap shoes. 69. Brian Aldridge's or Nelson Gabriel's cravat. 70. Shula Hebden Lloyd's cream cardigan. 71. A pair of running shoes. Could refer to any number of characters. 72. The necklace Helen Archer claimed to have made at evening class when she started seeing Rob Titchener.
1573, Nigel Pargeter's mother's brooch, given to Elizabeth, and brooch given to Ruth Archer by her mother-in-law, Jill. 74, Pat Archer's wedding ring, an eternity ring. 75, the bracelet Pat Archer had received from her daughter, Helen, which she gave to Natasha, her future daughter-in-law, for Christmas. This last item deserves special mention because it was, perhaps surprisingly, the most popular of all those mentioned by members of the Facebook group. In terms of material culture, I think this incident is quite revealing. It reflects Pat's belief that gifts given and received should be of similar monetary value. She was embarrassed that Natasha had bought lavish gifts for all the family. It shows that she doesn't want to appear ungenerous to her son's girlfriend, or possibly that she doesn't want to lay herself open to criticism by Natasha, and could also be interpreted by future historians as illustrating the acceptability of the practice of re-gifting, although Helen certainly didn't find it acceptable. Character. Although this grouping contains items representative of specific village characters, they can also be seen as representative of class, attitudes, hobbies or occupations. 76. Nelson Gabriel's Black Satin Sheets 77. Mr Snowy's Ice Cream Van 78. Eddie Grundy's Guitar 79. Clary Grundy's Dresser Damaged in the flood and unsuccessfully restored by Eddie and Joe. 80. A piece of furniture upcycled by Fallon Rogers. 81. Lily and Bellamy's gin bottle and cigarettes or ashtray. 82. A book on choosing a name for your baby, in which Lillian has written Mungo? Seriously? 83. Jim Lloyd's Classic Riley. 84. Kate Madikane's Smudging Sticks. 85. Information Leaflets on Having a Baby by AI, Helen Archer. And by Surrogacy, Adam Macy and Ian Craig. 86. Photo of Mrs. Antrobus with her dogs. 87. Kenton Archer's Bouncy Castle. 88. Ben Archer's air gun. 89. Lily Pargeter's Gwen John painting, left to her by Nigel for her 18th birthday. 90. Freddie Pargeter's secret stash. 91. Russ Jones's multi-temperature kettle. 92. Susan Carter's chili con carne recipe. 93. Jennifer Aldridge's kitchen. Special sink, taps, food mixer, wine fridge. 94. Thor's hammer, Mjolnir, made by Chris Carter. 95. The fairy doors constructed in the woods as part of one of the Grundy money-making escapades. 96. Usher Franks's Hindu statue, installed at the vicarage to Shula's dismay. 97. Walter Gabriel's Leech Jar 98. Fabrice's Scissors 99. Cutlery Derek Fletcher used to juggle with at village shows 100. 
Leonard Berry's sketches of snowdrops. As mentioned previously, this list was established in 2019 and almost immediately I received further suggestions of items to be added. How could I have forgotten Eddie Grundy's garden gnomes and copulating pigs? More recent articles of significance would certainly include Roy Tucker's internet dating spreadsheets and Lee Bryce's action figures, but one has to stop somewhere. In June 2021, the BBC announced a specially curated collection of 70 objects that celebrates the platinum anniversary of the Archers, BBC 2021. Although kind friends alerted me to this initiative, outraged that the BBC had stolen my idea, when I investigated the article, it was clear that the BBC's objects relate more to the making of the programme, drama or documentary, than to the material culture of Ambridge as a village, so there wasn't really much overlap. Acknowledgements. As always, sincere thanks are due to the Academic Archers Facebook community, which proved itself invaluable in research by crowdsourcing. Another illustration of the community of practice discussed elsewhere in this volume.